everybody and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today we are talking about the magnificent Miss Marvel TV series from Disney Plus and Marvel Studios. We are going to be talking full spoilers, so if you have not seen the show yet, check it out. It is totally worth it. And for us to break down this entire first season, I have very special guest, Kara, joining us. Kara, welcome. Hello, thank you. A nerdy yeah. girl herself. Yes, yes, one <laughs> of the nerdy girls. Uh, very excited to have you. I don't know if we've done a solo show together before. I know I had you on for the, uh, uh, what was it, what we loved, wasn't what we loved about the celebration of the MCU oh, yes. episode, which was really yes. fun. And I know we've talked about possibly doing a holiday movies episode. I think. Oh, yeah. But very happy to have you here. Very excited to talk about the show. Um, as we kick it off, I would love to hear your thoughts on the series as a whole. How'd you like it? Loved it. I really, really liked the show. It's very up my alley. I'm very much about uh, comedy, family, uh, culture, and diversity. I'm very much about uh, all of those things. So it hit a lot of the things that I really like. Uh, and I thought they did a great job. Like for anybody our age, there was a little bit of Lizzie McGuire feel in there. There was like a little bit of, I don't know, kind of like those old school, like family uh, channel or Disney channel for you guys show. Um, and then there was still a lot of the like new Marvel superhero, that kind of feel to it. So I loved it. I thought they did 10 out of 10 for me. Yeah, you know, that's funny, too. This is my first Marvel 10 out of 10 for the show. Oh, no way! Yes, so this is spoiling what I would have waited for till the end. <laughs> is guys. Yes, this, we, we were wondering, what would uh, what would surpass WandaVision? And uh, for me, it was this show, and it was for almost all the same reasons that you just listed. Uh, just absolute perfect blend of comedy, heart, action, uh, Amon Vellani as Kamala Khan. Holy Amazing. cow. I forgot within a minute or two of the first episode that this is the first thing she's ever done. I had and such I low expectations for her. And I understand I shouldn't because Sarah Finn is phenomenal at her job. However, like, come on, first acting, like some kid from Canada, like she's from here. She like, <laughs> who knows? Like she's she's never acted in anything. She's young. I had such low expectations. And the first like five minutes, I was like, okay, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. She that that whole first and, and we'll just dive into it, I guess, with that. Okay, so we'll start it. with some of these characters. So, yeah, so she just, again, like, blew me away. Yeah. I was hooked on her from from go, basically. And I love just her kind of situation in the first episode. But what sold me on her was her dance and singing number in the second episode when she comes home after uh, giving her number to Kamran. And it's yeah. uh, that whole bit where she's dancing and all the colors are going. And I was just like... She's born to play this character. She's born to act. I mean, I'm excited now to see yeah. what else she's going to do. Obviously, she's kind of locked in with Marvel for the rest of her life. But <laughs> right. uh, I, I, she just every like every facial expression, every piece of her just felt so real and relatable too. And I just I don't know. Like I said, I don't have enough praise to give her. She killed it when she was in the car 
at like the first episode, the first piece of the first episode, and she backed into somebody, and then she kind of had this attitude or the sass that came out. I was like, that's when she had me. I was like, <laughs> okay, like I love this. She is to me like uh, Robert Downey is to Tony Stark. Like she just is this character. And while there's so many other good characters that we have in the MCU, not all of them are their character like she is in this way so special times yes yeah seriously we are and and to think of what's coming that like this is just the first salvo that we're going to get to see of her yeah it it's i thought that it was a good time to be alive but now i'm knowing it's, it's going to be an even <laughs> better time as as time goes on so yeah just amazing and her her evolution too throughout the show was so great to see kind of where she was at in that first episode to all the things that she learns and and it's great too because we get such a peel back of uh, Muslim culture throughout this entire show. And it almost felt like she was kind of getting it too. I mean, she obviously knew way more than we did, but like as she learns about her family and she learns mm-hmm. about her ancestry, we're finding that stuff out at the exact same time she is. And so you can kind of relate to her almost in a sense when you're seeing some of these reveals of like, Oh, this is, you know, was Aisha's bangle. And she's like, Oh my gosh, like, Oh, Nani, I need you to tell me more about this. And, I'm at the same point, right? I'm like, Nani, please. Like, I need to know more about this. So I just, everything was so cool. And then even seeing her too, as like the fish out of water in Pakistan, when she goes to Karachi uh, or with like all her cousins and all of that, she plays that to perfection too. Mm -hmm. So like, she's just, she was killing it both in, you know, in the U S and outside of the U S too, which is just awesome to see. Mm -hmm. And I liked that. Uh, she brought like a different flavor because she could be kind of similar to Peter Parker, you know, a young kid that's like learning about their powers and their um, kind of like they mean well, they're so positive. They have, you know, their small circle of friends. Like there's a lot of similarities between the two of them, but she's so different. And I think that it could have gone the other way if they had cast somebody else, that they would be like a little bit too similar to Peter Parker, maybe some of the other characters that we've seen. But everything about the show and everything about, at least I thought, the character that we got with her was so different than what we've gotten in the past. Like not just from Marvel, but just in mainstream TV in general, which is part of what made it so fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. And that was was one of the notes that I had was like not just thinking about this show as a Marvel show and how different, like how different it is, not even from just the shows, but from the movies, but then to think of it, of how different it is from just TV in general. Yeah. And you're cr- cracking open that whole idea of all of the positive portrayals that they show in this that are uh, weirdly different from everything else we've seen, right? You would think that Hollywood being as progressive as they are, would be doing more of this and they're not. And so for Marvel to be the one to kick the door open, I think is awesome because you see too, that like all studios are all about copying each other and they're like, Oh, this thing sells really well. I'm going to do it too. And so now I'm hoping that because of this, that these studios start seeing, Oh, we can portray Muslims in a popular light, like in in a good light, the way that they actually are. And people are going to love it. Let's do that. Right. So that that makes me excited for just the future of cinema too. Of let's see some more positivity portrayed in a lot of these shows and movies. Well, even like the prayers that they do in the mosque when they're kneeling down. How many times do you ever see that in a good 
positive way of how it's actually meant, right? Like for me, I mean, I don't watch a ton of <laughs> new shows and movies, I will say. Uh, but every time I see that, it's in something like Homeland or something where it's portrayed in a negative way to show, okay, they are the enemy or whatever. And in this series, they showed how it means like community like how they all come together and how um it's it's a practice that they do um daily or sometimes multiple times a day or whatever because it means something like it, it's significant in in a really good way and we saw that in the series which again is completely different than anything marvel's done before but also different than what a lot of studios and companies are doing at all yeah, and and to see her not only to see the religion portrayed in a positive light, yeah. but to see her have like an ambivalence towards it, to where like outside of the mosque, she there's nothing really religious that she does because she's a teenager, and like right. to me, I could relate to that because I remember those days when like I was sitting in church and it was very you know repeating prayers and, and practicing this and that. But then when I'm out, I was like, I don't, you know, I wasn't a huge fan. I don't, I, I don't want to go to church. I'd rather sleep in. And she felt the exact same way, but it, it's like in cinema and in TV, anyone who is Muslim always is portrayed as being radical. And it's like, Oh, they're right. obsessed about it. And That's so it was point. so cool to see even at the sheiks level of like, you know, he's doing his prayers, but then he calls out Kamala and says like, Oh, you know, you guys need to pay attention. Uh, but then he ends up being super nice, and he's the one that passes on so much wisdom to her uh, and to Kamran throughout the show, too, which never seen that before, right? Like, when's the last mm -hmm. time you saw a sheik from a mosque uh, doing that on TV, which is just crazy. And so I, I loved that. I loved seeing, and I'd, I'd heard this, too, that, you know, and them saying, like, Allahu Akbar when the wedding is going on. Uh, and how that phrase, that prayer is usually used in a celebratory fashion and used to like praise. And, you know, I think it means I love God or, we, you know, God is great, essentially. Uh, and so to see it in that light versus the way we have always seen it. Which is always bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's never in a good light to the point where when I had first heard them saying in the mosque, like the, the immediate thing that came to my mind were those bad connotations. Same. And I was, I, you know, it, it gave me the chills at that time because I could tell my mind was warping of like, here's actually some good examples of what this is. So I can have them in my brain. That way I can kind of throw this stuff out. Cause again, we've a lot of Americans and I, I don't know about Canadians, but a lot of Americans have been conditioned since mm -hmm. 9 11 to have that sort of thing. And it's insane to me. Mm -hmm. that you know we've fallen into that so i i applaud them for going the the extra mile and honestly not even the extra mile right like i applaud yes. them for at least just doing it and and yeah. uh for kevin to be like yes absolutely i think i read an article that uh bisha k ali the showrunner i believe she also was the writer i think maybe in the director for a couple episodes uh but she was saying that like everything about the partition None of that is in the comics, except for maybe some mentions of it. And she was like, we want to make this a part of the show. And Kevin was like, awesome. Like, let's look and see how we can do that. Show me how you want to do it. That I, I love it. And so just to to hear that from him and to know how far Marvel has come, it's mm -hmm. it's weird, too, because I'm trying and I'm so sorry. I'm getting really excited about all this. But <laughs> um, like when we talked, it had to have been like a year ago, right? When we were like, oh, people were saying Marvel has a diversity problem. Yeah. And I, I kept saying, like, please just be patient. Like, I'm not a Marvel shill, but you should like the things that are coming. You're going to see whether or not they actually are, because you had the Eternals, Shang-Chi, uh, Miss Marvel, Moon Knight. And every single one of these shows has just knocked it out of the park. And it's not been like 
a cookie cutter thing where like let's portray x y and z in a positive light and we'll be good to go it was like just do whatever you want in the show do whatever you want in this movie whatever makes sense and and is easy for you guys and they've done it and it feels like they've done kind of whatever they want i mean the only thing and you've seen love and thunder right uh, I guess not, not technically spoilers for Love and Thunder, but Love and Thunder for me feels like the only one where it almost felt like they held back a little bit, uh, which is interesting because that's one of the only ones now that's premiering in, I think it's Iraq, Russia, and some of those other countries that usually will ban this stuff if it's you know the positive portrayal of diversity in one way or the other. Uh, but for the most part, I would say Marvel's kind of, they're good now. Like if someone were to argue at this point, I'd have multiple things to show them to say, now Marvel knows what they're doing and they, they don't really have a diversity problem anymore. Yeah. And it, it's, it's tough because on the one hand, like these are things that should have been happening a long time ago. Yes. So it's hard because how do you, you know, argue on the side of, okay, yes, they're now featuring people of color and women and all these uh, different non-white men, non-straight white men, yeah. you know, that we've been getting for a long time, but we have to start somewhere. So that means that when our kids grow up, they're growing up with all of this content or teenagers or young kids today, like that's what they're getting. So as frustrating as I know a lot of people are uh, about, you know, how long it's taken to get here or what may or may not be 100% accurate in each of the stories so far, the kids these days are already like miles ahead of where we were yeah. when we grew up. Like you and I have talked about it. We're sitting here learning about the partition and all these different things, like the dummies that we are because we didn't know. And like, we're in our thirties and we didn't know. And like, for me personally, I had a, a Pakistani roommate and I didn't know any of this wow. stuff. And so for me, like listening to all of this and then going on and trying to learn a little bit on the side, which is the point of these things and these conversations is to go and learn a little bit on the side and not to go and ask all of your friends who may know a little bit more, educate yourself first, uh, and not just also take it at the word of Marvel or TV, uh, but to kind of get some more information. And I felt so dumb that I never asked these questions, that I never, you know, had conversations with him where I got to know a little bit more about his family life or uh, anything like that because I, I don't know I didn't know and I feel so dumb saying that but at some point like you gotta start getting better and educate yourself and if it takes a Marvel show to introduce a topic to to me or to whoever right. that they didn't know then that's what it takes but at the end of the day now everybody in my circle is better off than they were yesterday. And all of the kids are better off than they were yesterday. And so I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I know you're as passionate about education as I am in that regard. And I think as sad as it is and as sad as it makes us in that moment, I think it's through that, that we're like, awesome. Here's at least for me, it's like, awesome. Here's another thing for me to learn. Like mm -hmm. I, and that day where it's like my goal, I want to learn something new every day and, you know, getting to 5 PM and I haven't yet like, awesome. Okay, cool. Now I can dive into the partition and figure out like with that. And I know shout out to our good friend, Kevin, he had shared the link for uh, the show writers and show runners had shared out like, here's a list of all of the things about the partition that we kind of studied and looked at if you want to dive into it more. They had a list of books, they had a list of articles, uh, they had some 
art. Uh, and so I did that. I, I added a couple of those books to my wish list that I can't wait to dive into once I, I get them. But then I also went on and there was a section that was from the BBC, uh, which was kind of interesting, too, to think that the videos were made by the oppressors at one point. But uh, they were videos about the partition. And so there were like stories that people shared. And I watched this one that was like 30 minutes about um, the guy's name was Cyril, who uh, who did the partition. He's the guy who actually drew the lines and figured it all out. And so they were doing this study on like, why did it go the way that it did? Why were they? Cause that was my biggest question. Like I, I, and I guess we'll dive into that now too. Cause I, I think when, when we find out about the partition in that uh, second episode and, uh, and then really get into it in the fourth and fifth episodes, they, uh, I, I can't be the person to say that they did it right. And that they got it, you know, exactly as it should. Cause I don't know much about it, but from what I've read, uh, it seems like they did a lot of justice to it to show just how traumatic it was and how sad it was. And, and to me, just how how pointless it was, because from from what I've learned, the British got to the point where, you know, they were the ones ruling uh, India at that point. I think it was called Bangladesh at that point. And um, it got too unruly. And it's funny because they said that this literally happened two years after World War Two. And so they're like, they didn't understand why, you know, Britain had been in all of these giant battles and had won these wars against the Germans and all of that. And then they just were like, eh, I think we're going to get out of here. Like, we're, we, we don't want to deal with this anymore. And so then they just divide the country up into Pakistan and India and then tell everyone basically, OK, if you're Muslim, you go to Pakistan and if you're Hindu, you go to India. And so then everyone's going and the civil war breaks out because people are literally arguing about their religion. Which to me, it's like, if you were leaving, why wouldn't you have like tried to unite them at some point? Like not even around religion, but try to get in there and be like, hey, how can we all get along? And they did it. They chickened out and they were like, ah, we're just not even going to deal with this anymore. Which to me is just so sad because so many families um, lost their lives. People got lost. Kind of like uh, Aisha and Sana sort of thing, like real life people, they don't know where their siblings are and they never will know because they're just it was a mass migration. Millions of people died. It's like one of the largest uh, uh, mass casualty events in the world. And again, it was like, why didn't I hear about this? Right. I mean, it's this literally the same as what happened when I had learned about the uh, Tulsa massacre. Uh, which was back in the, I believe that was the mid 1919s sort of thing. It was like 1920, I think. And uh, same thing there, where an entire town was uh, burned to the ground, an entire black owned town, like Black Wall Street was burned to the ground. How did I not learn about that in school? Mm -hmm. And it's just baffling to me, the things that we miss throughout history. And I feel like it is part of our responsibility to learn about those things so that they don't get lost to history. And this is where media and entertainment has value and purpose yes. like they they do for many other reasons but in places where like our education system or our governments are failing us then media social media whatever can step in and be like hey by the way there was this monumental thing that happened that probably impacted people you know here's what it is let's learn about it but there also doing it in a way because it's media because it's still entertainment if you're reading about it on a paper you're like oh man that's sad but when you're watching this show and you see like it just looks like it smells like people are just like covered in sweat and in blood and they're so close to each other and there's like 
I don't know, you can just feel their hunger, you can feel their desperation, you can feel their sadness and their panic. And you are feeling this watching them going, oh man, this is horrible. And then realizing that it actually happened. And then you're thinking back to what that would actually look like if I was told that I have to get on this train and go somewhere else. Yeah. And I mean, so, you, you, can, you can see it too from, I, I think one of the, the biggest two bits that hit me in the show were the ending of that fourth episode when she's, you know, gets transported back and it's just that panning wide shot that gets bigger yeah. and bigger as you just see hundreds and it turns into thousands of people at this train yeah. station and they really show you the scope and you're like, yeah. Oh my gosh. And then the second one is when they're at the train station and Sana gets lost. And she goes from like, you know, Ami, Ami. And, and then eventually she's like bawling her eyes out. And I just, I couldn't hold it together. Cause I'm just like, mm -hmm. can you imagine losing your kid in, in a place like that where you typically, I mean, I guess you could, but like you, any other person could have just shouted their name and they would have heard them. But because there's a hundred other people there and everyone's stuffed together, you wouldn't have been able to. And it's just, it's so sad to see that. Cause you're like, man, I, I, Again, thinking of all of the people that lost their lives that way or lost their family members that way. And you're absolutely right. Like to be able to see that through a le the lens of a show, you're getting it. It's hitting you a lot harder right. than it would if you were reading it. It's a great call out. Yeah. And can I add a third moment to that yes. list of things that got me um, was when Sana was talking about later on when she's talking to Kamala and she's talking about um, how she had a hard time with her identity and whether or not she was of Pakistan or she was of India and how that weighed on her. And that late in her life like that like she was that much older and she's still struggled with that feeling of just that generational trauma and everything that she had to go through and the fact that that would impact her at that like that much that stage of the game like that far out that that really got me because yeah, you don't I think you never think about that no, and it's funny too. And shout huge shout out to the the Earth's Mightiest Weirdo show. They ju they just had an episode last night with Neebs, who um, shared this really cool thing that he was talking about. He said, you know, and you hear it in the show too that uh, Amir says uh, everybody has a partition story and none of them are good. And he was talking a bit about generational trauma and how these fan like he and I love this because you you know you typically don't think of it, but he was like whenever you're thinking about trauma it's here and now it is always in the here and now mm -hmm. like it doesn't matter how long time has passed if something triggers you you're right back to where it was like you've never really left and he said you know picture that with millions of people who have had this happen to them and they flee and go to the united states or whatever it is he said he had you know friends and family where you'd wonder why they treated you a certain way. And it was like, oh, it's because of that. But they never thought to think about it because he said even for him too, where he was like, you know, he'd heard about the partition, but this show really opened his eyes because he hadn't really dove deep into it. And he was saying, you know, his, his parents um, forced their culture onto him all the time. And he wanted kind of like Kamala, right? And wanted to kind of drive away. But he's like, why are they always doing this? And it's because they lost their culture having to do this. And so you see how this generational trauma affects. And, and, and to me, I think the best way to do it is to show it through those ancestral lines. And they did such a good job of fleshing out four generations of cons uh, of con women. Uh, obviously they weren't all last names of con, but like 
Kamala, obviously we've talked about her. She's her own person. But then you have Muniba who is feeling that from her mom of like the fact that she got lost and she, but she saw the stars. And so she has this bit of whimsy about her and all of that. But then the fact that they decided to go to America and kind of, kind of leave that behind, you see the difference between Muniba and Sana as they come back together in that um, episode, I believe it was episode five or episode four and five. And so just to see them all together and see how they've all looked at life differently. uh, Again, masterful work from the show of being able to show four different women in the same family be completely different because mm-hmm. you see, you know, compare that to uh, like little women, right. Where <laughs> half of the characters in that movie, they're kind of all the exact same. They just want to find a man and, and, you know, write a book sort of thing. And uh, just was amazing to see. And that, that's what I was, I'd, I'd put in the note was one of my favorite scenes in the entire uh, season is that episode five, where, you know, after she's done, Her mom has now found out about her powers. And again, we get another kind of twist of fate where you would think that she'd get mad or upset, you know, a la, you know, Amy or something. And she's just got this look of wonder and awe. That was one of my favorite parts. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. And it just, and it's funny too, because I'd recently watched the first episode again and I hadn't watched it. I don't, that was one where I'd only watched that episode like one and a half times, basically. And, uh, and watching it again, there are so many call outs in that episode to themes and things that play out throughout the whole show. Like there's a whole bit in there when Bruno is talking with Kamala about her mom and saying like, you know, oh, why is your mom not going to let me go? And she's like, yeah, I don't know. My mom doesn't understand me and all this stuff. And then you see all the moments she's with her mom and her mom's super overbearing. And to go from that to where she's at, at the end of that, and just, you know, being the one to give her the costume mm-hmm. and get a costume, it just, the amount of character development that would normally be for the main character of the show right. that they've given to multiple side characters in this show is just another reason it sets it apart. But that scene is the one where it's her, Sana, and Kamala uh, all standing together. It's like a wide shot and they're all kind of very close. Oh, they just got done talking. That mm-hmm. scene just got me for some reason because I was like, wow, look at that, like three generations and they all just kind of healed their trauma together and worked on it a little bit because of this bangle that her mom gave like so technically it's four people all in the same room like it just it got me so emotional every single time i saw it yeah i mean for me like when my grandma was here recently like we don't live close to her so she had come to visit recently and there was many times where her my mom and I and my sister were in a room and the power that's in the generations especially a generation of strong women we don't come from like a very uh great male-based family so my family's kind of uh it relies on strong women so to have like like to see them in that room made me feel like I was with my mom and grandma again. And it gave me like, it just, there was so much power in that. And then to feel the same thing and to relate so hard to a show that you could argue, like maybe I shouldn't relate to it that much because, you know, I'm not traveling to Pakistan and talking about, you know, all this generational trauma and all of that, but there was still something in there that was so relatable to me. And that's so, another one of the things that's so great about this show is that it wasn't like, oh, this is for people of this culture. And then this show and movie is for people of this culture. Like, it's not like that. Like, this is for everyone. 
and it well and it's it's magic in that sense and and that's another another through line as well is uh kamala's dad yusuf always saying it's magic when he's talking about you know the zuzu and then he says something about it in another episode but then by the end of it like his oh no it was uh, aisha's husband described oh, yes, aisha as, as magic. magic and then him to look at her as she's running off and he's just like magic i just and i'm getting i'm getting really i'm getting a little emotional already but um in regards to that what I love is that they did make this show for a specific culture and like to give them their due and say, you know what, we're making this for you. But at the same time, we're going to show you that it doesn't matter whose culture it is. Anyone can relate to this. Like it wasn't to the point of, hey, only a specific culture is going to appreciate this. Obviously, they can. But I found ways to relate. You found ways to relate. Mm -hmm. So many other people have been like, oh, I understand this. I get this. I know about an overbearing parent or the mom that has a bunch of meals already made and prepped or, or like you're saying, you know, all these generations of strong women. It's just, it's, that's when, you know, a show is really special is when it, it is hyper-focused on a specific thing like that, like on uh, Pakistani Muslim culture, but that you're going, oh, I know that I get that. That makes sense to me. All right. And so you're finding your own connections in it because in a way you're almost healing yourself through their culture too. Because now anytime you see their culture, it's going to remind you of those things. And you're going to be like, I want to know a little more about that. I'd love that. You know, I want to find out more, you know, for me, that's like with food. So like, I've been really going like, oh, what kind of like Pakistani dish could I make? Because I'm like, I want to try something because I bet it would be really tasty just based on, again, all the amazing shots of food that they had in the show. Like in the first one, when they had the, oh, they had a scene of the Euro meat getting sliced and I was, oh, my mouth just started watering. But that goes back to kind of what we were talking about earlier of like educating people and showing culture in a different light because for literal decades we have been forcing every culture to relate to our culture in yep. movies and stuff like that and they've been doing it for years and yet somehow for some reason uh, any different kind of culture whether it is uh, like a racial culture or religion or even just like different sexual orientations or anything like that has been somehow designated exclusively for that community right. uh, sorry community is what i'm looking for but um now we're seeing okay so wow everybody can relate to this <laughs> like because at the end of the day we're all people we all function more or less the same way and to finally have somebody come out and say listen this is how it is this is a real snapshot of their of their life and everybody can relate to it it's awesome yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. such a good step yeah, it makes me just want to stop recording and go watch all the episodes again. I because, and I, I think that's that to me. And let's get on that topic right now, because we had talked about this before we recorded the weekly drops of these episodes uh, and the weekly drops of Disney Plus episodes in general. I've always been of the mind that I wasn't a huge fan of them. I do appreciate them for being, you know, kind of spoon feeding us. Like, I like that. It's like, OK, you can only watch this one. You got to just enjoy it as it is can't really jump ahead. I appreciate that. But more and more, I've been really just wanting to watch it all at once. And uh, Moon Knight wasn't a show where I think it was to its detriment that it was weekly. I think if that show had been all released at once, I think, and I know people loved it, but like, I know I would have liked it a lot more because there are bits where I was like, what's going on? What's happening? And I had to wait that whole time. 
And then it would feel like a piece of an episode didn't work. But then you would watch the next episode and be like, ah, now that all makes sense. So when you watch it all at once, I think it plays out better. This show, uh, I think each episode worked fine on its own. But I think watching it as a whole, there's a much bigger tapestry that you're going to get, especially when you look at like the, the ending. Because you got the, the episode where it ends with Kamala on the train. And then you had to wait a whole week. And then the next scene was the past. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Where's Kamala? And if you'd have watched them back to back, you'd be like, oh, okay, I see what they're doing here. Like, this this makes a lot of sense. Did you feel that same way? Yeah, I mean, to your Moon Knight comment, I did not finish that show. Because there I wasn't super into it in the first place. But the fact that, like, there was so much time passing between episodes, I just completely lost interest. And I don't care. Uh, and I always thought I'd go back to it. But I probably won't. Um, I love, like, binge-watching shows. Like, when Netflix releases like never have i ever whatever in one great show by the way Uh, in in one like they release it all at the same time i will watch it all at the same time i'll clear my day (laughs) that's what i'll do that day (laughs) but i also see how like four weeks later four months later i don't remember as much of that show as i would have if i had maybe spread it out so I think I'm of the opinion for me, and that means nothing for anybody else, that if we were getting shows or Marvel things at one point in time and the next one wasn't coming for a while, I love these stretched out six weeks. Yeah. But if we are where we're at, where it's like back-to-back shows, there's movies coming in the middle of them, there's just too much stuff coming all at once, the six week spread thing doesn't it's not my favorite yeah and i want you know they've they have the ability to do whatever they want and i feel like if you look at it like that especially when you're looking at dr strange to to thor because that was only what two months basically and they could have done something where they released two episodes i was just gonna say that yeah if they did if they did miss marvel two episodes at a time but three weeks that'd be well, and, and it's funny, too, because they, they t- every time I see the uh, the assembled episodes or I read anything about it, they make these shows like movies and they, they look at these as three separate movies. Like they, they look at the first two episodes, the second two and the third two is typically what I've been seeing. And it is it's like, OK, so then why not just release them as mm-hmm. two, like an event every week? I get you're trying to get subscribers, but. You're still, I mean, you're releasing how many of these, look at last year, like we've gotten so many shows, you could afford to drop two at a time uh, mm-hmm. and you'd still retain your subscribers and it would it would eliminate like the Star Wars going up against Marvel thing when those shows were coming out at the same time, uh, which is funny. I always, I'd started watching Miss um, Marvel first like the first time I was like, I got to watch this before Obi-Wan because I wasn't a huge fan. And then it got to the point where I was like, all right, I'm going to watch Obi-Wan first just so I can get it out of the way. And then I'm going to watch Miss Marvel. So like, but you have to have those decisions. And so it, it is, it's interesting. And we're getting to this point now where I think a lot of people have been talking about that, about, you know, what, how much content is being shared out. And it's funny because these same people were the ones saying like, I want all the content, give me as much as you want. You can. And then they're getting it all. And they're like, actually, I'm, I think I'm full. I'm a little stuffed. There's a lot, a lot to eat and uh, it's okay. That's fine. Like, and the the problem to me stems from the social media, uh, social sort of aspect to it, which I think we had talked about too. Like if, if I had my choice, I'd watch them all at once. 
and I'd wait and fine, release them weekly and I'll just wait until they all come out. But I can't because I'm going to find out something on Twitter. I'm going to get spoiled on a website. I'm going to, you know, someone in the discord is going to share something and I'm going to accidentally see it. And I, I can't risk that. And so it, it is a yeah. weird complaint to have. And I'm trying to minimize it because, again, I don't even think it's a complaint because it's like, OK, dude, like my, my big thing now has been I just watch it once when it comes out the day. Of, yes. And yeah. then do that for each week. And then when it's over, then I binge the whole thing, because, man, like I said, when I was rewatching that first episode so much more, the, the episode increased in value for me so much because of what I knew from the, the, the future episodes. So it really does benefit to watch these multiple times as well. If you know, you have the time for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I used to do that with, um, or sorry, I used to do something different with previous shows, like what Falcon and the winter soldier and <laughs> nice, <laughs> Falcon, nice. shirt on. Uh, Falcon and the winter soldier. And uh, I would watch that like three or four times during the week before the next episode came out. But we also weren't competing with a bunch of different things at the same time. And there was still breaks, I believe, at that point between shows and movies. Um, so I, I feel like you can't do that anymore. Like you can't have like, I can't sit here and watch, you know, three times per week before the next one. Because you also don't get that satisfaction, like you said, of coming back at the end and then realizing, okay, this is all the amazing things that I missed because I didn't binge watch it. Yeah, and it's almost like uh, I, I'm big on not being spoiled on a spoiler accidentally. Like, say I'm scrolling on Twitter. I'll just scroll. I'll be like, okay, and I scroll super fast past it, and I always tell myself, like, just go to sleep or something. Like, you're going to forget about it. And I feel like that's the same thing with watching them every week because I'm like, okay, watch this episode. Appreciate it for what it is. Like, don't overanalyze it. Just watch it so that I can talk with people about it, but I don't know that much about it. And so then when you rewatch it, you're like, ah, like I missed that. I missed seeing mm -hmm. that. I missed that piece. And so it really does feel like you're watching it for the first time, but that you sort of know what it's about. So it's like a, a really happy medium in between. I'd, I'd highly recommend it. Um, there's a, there's a piece I wanted to talk about too, that I think is they, they, I know it's intentional on their part. I, I don't think it could not be, but there's a lot of mentions in the show about the division of Kamala of like in the first episode, the uh, counselor, you know, what was his name? Dr. Wilson, Mr. Wilson. Um, he says, I see a girl divided and they even get that bit where the camera kind of rotates and it's half of his face and half of her face. And they say that in other moments, too, there's a piece where Sheikh Abdullah, when he's talking with them in the in the mosque uh, and they're like, yeah, you know, it's really tough for us to hear what you're saying back here. And he says the partition is there to protect all of our modesty. And I just found it interesting because I'm like, huh, OK, so they, they're anti-partition, but they still are pro-partition in, in this. Like they're openly calling that a partition. But this whole idea of partition in the show wasn't just used as this like backdrop of what happened in the past, but it was almost like there was a partition in Kamala and they call it out at multiple points of like, Oh, who are you trying to be this girl in the clouds or the person we raised you to be, or are you trying to be a, you know, good, or are you trying to, you know, don't be the enemy. I think, what was it that he says? Uh, just because someone treats you as your enemy doesn't give you the right to treat them as yours. Uh, wise wisdom, but at the same time, you can cut that statement in half and it's identical. So it still has that divided structure to it. There's just so much partition in the show. 
And I just, I, again, I, I love that they were able to weave it into so many different things. Like, yes, here it is, is this really bad thing. Here it is, is this device to show you how she's conflicted. Here's a way to describe it in, in the mosque. Like, I, I don't know. Did you catch on that at all? Cause I, I, thought I didn't, cool. I didn't, but I haven't done my binge watch yet. That's right. You're going <laughs> to, you're going to notice it for sure when you do that. Well, especially now that we talked about it. Oh yeah. Absolutely. But even I was thinking like when she is talking with, bruno at the on the roof there and she's talking about how nobody wants a like no brown girl can be a superhero or something like that there's even that divide between like who she is and who she wants to be and the divide is kind of like like society's limits of what people can be or what we've portrayed people can or can't be so that that was my first thought when you were talking about that yeah, no, you're and it is. It's almost like society has put up a partition for that as well. Of like, mm -hmm. you're only able to get this high in whatever it is you're trying to go. Um, but yeah, that and that goes to um, there was a piece I had thought about that too of her, you know, just that she uh, in the comics she can shape shift sort of, and so the first thing that she shapes in shifts into is Carol Danvers. And they talk about that in here too, where she's so obsessed with wanting to be Carol. And uh, just that whole thing of like, she's wanting to be this person that she has, she doesn't need to be like, she can just be mm -hmm. herself. And so to see her go through that, and then to get that post credit scene of Carol, again, swapping with her, right of like, oh, here she is like, ugh, just to me that I thought that that was such a cool kind of cherry on top of mm -hmm. showing that she has come full circle. She knows exactly who she wants to be now. And then suddenly she swapped with her hero. And uh, that's great. So, and I know with that, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know if we want to dive too deep into that, but um, was it, was it a body swap or was it a, a freaky Friday sort of situation? Can we confirm that here on comics and cinema? I don't know if we can, we have to wait for miss or the Marvels. Is I guess that's true. I know for, for those that are, were, uh, you know, avid listeners, I suppose there, there was an article that uh, the uh, showrunner did confirm that that is what it is, but we'll see. Hey, you know, it's we'll just see. words at this point, right? They've lied to us before. Yeah, they've they lied have, about a lot less. They have gone through lengths. Remember when Infinity War came out and they had that whole scene in the trailer of everybody running through? Yep. That wasn't even that wasn't even there. They That's filmed. Right. Hey, I mean, look at this. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Feige said that the stuff in Loki was going to directly impact Doctor Strange. We didn't oh, see yeah. it. There was nothing, nothing about it. They they uh, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. I I appreciate the interviews and the insights, but it's like. Give me the give me the holy text. Just give me the show, and that's the canon. I, you know, you can say whatever you want. You can interpret it, but uh, I'll take that. Um, but did that not hype you up so high for that? The I think I'm trying to think of if any of the other post credit scenes did that for me, and I don't think they did. I I, I love Sharon Carter, but that one didn't do it for me. Um, seeing Scarlet Witch in the woods was awesome, but again, I'd seen her already, so it wasn't like a surprise. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking to... like in in Hawkeye when they did the shadow of Kingpin to show that he was coming, that okay. was pretty cool. But that was only a hype for the next episode. Correct. Yeah, and Which... and we haven't had like a we actually haven't had an outside of the TV show character 
show up in the show. That's you know what I mean. Like Doctor Strange was theoretically supposed to come in in uh, Wandavision, never did. You know, mm -hmm. Tony Stark obviously didn't show up in anything, but like Carol's, I think isn't she the first one? Moon Knight she... didn't have anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was shocking to me because Brie Larson is a pretty big name right, and yeah. captain marvel is huge so to see her in the show like i thought we were gonna get monica uh but not carol like that that blew my mind that blew my mind yeah yeah and let's we can uh, we can jump to that bit too so you know at the very end of the show we get two big drops the first one is that kamala is a mutant which uh, they don't call her a mutant, but Bruno says it's a mutation. The X-Men 97 animated show theme plays. And I lost it. I was like, <laughs> oh, no, no way. Because, again, you know, in the comics, she was an inhuman. But during that time period, it was very tumultuous for Marvel. They were moving towards inhumans because they couldn't use mutants in the movies. And they were at that time where the comics were trying to reflect the movies because the guy in charge wanted it to be so. And so Asana, who was the, one of the co-creators of Miss Marvel, said they originally wanted her to be a mutant. And so to me, I think one of my favorite things about this show is how many spots they deviated from the comics. There are so many things that they did differently. The costume, the, the way that she got all of the pieces of the costume not from the comics, the, the mutant thing, not from the comics, her dad, like at the end of the first, you know, arc or whatever is 19 issues. Her mom finds out that she's Miss Marvel, but it's like, a, I knew you were all along. It's a really sweet moment, but then the whole universe ends. And so then there's a new story that comes out later, but this just felt so natural. Like, what did you think of the whole, um, excuse me, her mom giving the suit, but then her dad talking with her on the roof about her name. I cried I like did a too. baby. <laughs> like, I cried. And, and did they know that? The whole, like, oh, you know, your name. The first off, the, the lightning bolt, which is from yeah. Carol Danvers' Miss Marvel, is the, is the symbol for a K. Did they know that? I feel like they probably did. Uh, and that's why they also called her Kamala Khan, too. I was thinking about that is because most of the Marvel heroes, Peter Parker, Reed Richards, they're all the Stanley always liked the same letter for the first and last name. And so I think that was a tribute to that. But Kamala being Marvel in Urdu. Did they know that? Because they did not mention that in the comics. They said that it was the the, the uh, what is it? The other Arabic that it me means perfection or perfect. And. I just, yeah, I was like, no way. Because it was, we were getting to like the last few minutes and it was like, so we're going to find out, you know, how she gets this name. And oh my gosh. Yes. Ugh. Well, like in, in Hawkeye, they end the series with um, like Kate not knowing her name. And then he goes, I have an idea for you. And then it just cuts out. It says Hawkeye on the screen. Yes. And then, but in here, so that's kind of what I figured we would get. And same, same in... Um, Falcon in the Winter Soldier, like we didn't really. Well, I guess yeah, he became Captain America, but I think Bucky's going to become something else too. And like, there's all these different names that are out there that are not actually officially given. Yeah. Uh, so I wasn't expecting to get it, and the fact that like, like watching, we talked about this a little bit earlier on in her mom's relationship with her at the beginning. You're like, oh, it's that typical, like, overbearing mom, whatever. Yeah. I've seen this before. But you haven't. Because the way that she, 
learns to love and embrace her daughter, but be on her team so hard that by the end of it, like they just grow and heal and uh, move like and grow together so well that she gives the costume and then the dad who I thought would have a bigger part, I think, to play in the series based on the first episode to have him come back and give her her name and just like this little intimate moment just the two of them outside no one else is around there's nothing like I don't know like it there's nothing fancy or flashy or anything happening it's just a nice private moment that made it mean so much in, yep. in both cases, like it just mean like it means so much. I, I, like I was watching with one of our friends, and we were just texting about how we're sobbing. <laughs> <laughs> Had to go back because you know mm-hmm. you miss too much because you're crying, and it's just so beautiful. And I, when's I the last time you saw that in a in a you say comic book movie too, but like in a Marvel movie where again I always compare her to Peter Parker. He has never had a conversation like that with someone in his family. And of course, most of his family has died, as with most superheroes. So like another tip of the cap to them for sticking with the same thing from the comics of like, you don't need to lose your family to become a hero. They mm-hmm. they should be able to build you into being a better hero. Mm-hmm. And they did that in the show. And so for them to be sitting out on the roof again, it reminded me of like those scenes of in Spider-Man where he's laying out on the uh you know what was the one where he's sitting on the the thing eating the churro and he's just like on the balcony of a of some you know small little apartment and that's what it felt like except here she actually gets to have a conversation and it's not a life or death one like when he talks with aunt may as she's dying like he he unfortunately has not had the same luck in a sense as as kamala has and so yes that just it was very special. And then to go from there to where it's like, okay. And you know, we haven't really talked about a lot of the supporting characters, but like her relationships with Nakia in the show, phenomenal. Let's get uh, into that. Yeah, please. So yeah. her, uh, her conversation. And it's funny too. actually watch. There's a show. If anyone wants to check it out, it's a movie on Disney called upside down magic. That's a, uh, I watched it last night. It's a Disney channel movie, but it's, it's, of course it's, you it's from two years ago, so it's like a Disney Plus. Oh. And the reason I wanted to check it out is because Yasmin Fletcher is in it, oh. uh, who plays Nakia, and she plays a little bit of a villain in this movie. It's a very cheesy movie, very corny, but if you're looking for something to pass the time, it was pretty cute. Okay. Um, very good, uh, very good messages for young girls. So I was, I was very nice. happy to see that. But um, holy cow, to to go from again this weekly drop of being like, okay, so Nakia was in here for like a minute or two, and are we going to get anything with her? And then you get the next episode and it's like, boom, bam, boom. We get that beautiful speech from her about being torn between two worlds as well. Just like Kamala uh, just, uh, and then she runs for the board. So we're, we're, tell, talk to me about Naki. What'd you think? Okay. So I had mixed feelings about her, but in it, let me explain her character in the first like two episodes or whatever was so strong like she was such a good friend she had such good things to say she's running for the board she's independent she's intelligent she's well-spoken she's a good friend all that kind of stuff and then she kind of like leaves Kamala like she finds out that Kamala is quote unquote light girl and just kind of bails and then we don't see her again for a while and so because it was like two weeks or whatever where we didn't see her I was like 
know. Like that, like that bummed me out because there was so much riding on her being a good friend. And then she just wasn't to me a good friend in that time. Like she wasn't responding. She wasn't saying like, Hey, just give me a minute. I'm just processing or whatever to let Kamala know she's okay. Like nothing. Yeah. And then I realized they're teenagers. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I had stopped talking to my friends for a couple of weeks at a time for much less than them <laughs> being a superhero with powers and not telling me. Yeah. And then I was like, Kara, you idiot. Like they're teenagers, let it go. And so I let it go. And then she kind of came back at the end. And I hope that we see her again. Because I think she's a really powerful character. And not because she has any powers. I kind of hope that they can like keep it that way, that she never gets powers. Because just who she is is enough to be powerful and commanding and um like winning, basically. Yeah. I yeah, think you'll you think? find you'll find I think that because I I it's not that I didn't notice it because again that fourth episode opens up with her texting on the plane um and there's there's so much about all these episodes that's so amazing but uh, yeah I was like okay that makes sense right she's a little peeved and you know she's doing the classic I'm texting you too much and she's just avoiding the text and then you're like okay nothing and then the next week nothing but if you watch them back to back you're going to not notice it at all because that two, those two episodes, it's like she went on vacation. You don't see her talk to Bruno either. We don't mm-hmm. see anything about her dad, about her brother. She's gone. And so I love that in a sense. It was almost like her going kind of back to her roots. She made some mistakes. She messed up a little bit. She didn't tell her friend about this. She, you know, yada, yada, yada. And so now she's off on her own little sabbatical, so to speak, to, to kind of catch her breath. So no, I, I thought that worked out really well. I, I loved her. I thought she was great. Uh, and for her to come back to in the last episode and have a bit of a tiff, but then be like, as people should, hey, this upset me. Here's why. Now let's mm-hmm. move on. And she mm-hmm. was like, yep, absolutely. Let's move on. I thought that was great. Which uh, is a great message <clears throat> for teenage girls. Because yes. like I said, that is so common. Like, I mean, it's common for everybody. I shouldn't just specify to girls. But uh, like, especially in your teen, like your teenage years, there's so much going on chemically in your brain that it's yeah. kind of hard to just be like calm cool and collected about any situation so to show what it looks like okay maybe neither of them handled that situation in the right way maybe kamala should have said something and maybe nakia uh, shouldn't have you know ghosted her for a period of time but how they come back and there's no malice or negativity it's just two friends being like "Mm, let's come back together it's just nice it's it's a good uh, model I will I I will be team Nakia though because I I will go to my grave that Kamala should have told her especially after she like let her heart out saying I'm torn between two worlds and she could be like yeah me too here's my powers like this is what I'm dealing with um but yeah I I think it played out exactly right another little interesting trivia bit is Nakia and Zoe get together for a little bit in the comics so maybe something happens there. I know we get a small, tiny little tease of it. There's a um, little TikTok video that they made together, uh, which was awesome. I don't remember if you remember that, but Zoe was like, Nakia, like talk a little bit about blah, blah, blah. She was like, no, what? Like you can or something. And she was like, as an ally, I'd like to use my platform to give voices Mm -hmm. to people who can't speak as loudly. And I was just like, 
hell yeah, Zoe. Like, there you go. Awesome. So, I, you know, they certainly didn't linger on any of it or, or make any indication of it. But there's there's definitely storylines for her to tell. Like, what would it have been? 50 issues or so into the series. Nakia is still in the story. Zoe's still in the story. Bruno's. They're all still there. That same cast of characters. So I'm hoping that, especially after that finale, I'd love to see more Zoe. Because she is, and then we'll move to her next. She is uh, the exact opposite of a school bully. And I loved that. I knew that that's how it would be. Cause again, that's how she is in the comics, but it's just nice to see that on screen. It's nice to see people acting in that manner where, yeah, she's, you know, she's thinks she's better than everybody. She throws the party. She's got all the followers, but she's a good person. And mm-hmm. there's that bit in the last episode where Naki was like, you knew and you didn't say anything. And she was like, she saved my life. That's not my place to tell her story. Like she can tell it when, which I thought was such a great message too, for so many people, regardless of if they have superpowers or they're identifying as a different gender or they're struggling to be able to tell their story versus having right. somebody else spoil it for everybody. Uh, I loved that. And for it to come from the school bully was just, I thought she was great. Yeah. I, I think the, the school bully story is a little played out. I think we get it a lot, especially like as soon as you go to high school. Okay. It's a school yeah, there's always bully. A bully right away. Yeah. And, and then you miss out on other stories because at the end of the day, that's not the only story that can be told in high school and it's not the only story that matters. So to, to see, you know, okay, you can be popular and, and not a jerk. That's, probably a good thing to put out there well and she's similar too to flash thompson from spider-man to to look at that right like flash was the school bully too and flash was spider-man's biggest fan in the Mm -hmm. comics just like in the movies and zoe is miss marvel's biggest fan but you see the difference between the two of them Mm -hmm. and how zoe is much better I, i i love flash thompson in the movies but whenever I think of it, I think of the original Tobey Maguire movies and what a piece of trash he was in those movies of like him. He was mean. I don't even mean. Remember uh, it was Joe Manganiello who was. Uh, mm. mm-hmm, yeah, I figured that would. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Very young Joe. But yes, still, you know, he was always the bully. And the, the whole bit was how ironic that you're so mean to Peter Parker, yet you are obsessed with Spider-Man. And this was what I, I like this better of like, hey, I know mm-hmm. who you were. I knew who you were the whole time. The only thing I'll say for her, though, is more so than Nakia. She disappeared after episode two. And then we did not see Zoe until the finale. And it's just, I didn't oh, think that we would see her again. Me neither. I, I thought she played her part in that uh, DODC came in yep. and that was it. And I, I still like I'll be honest. I be okay to see her again i'd be okay not to see her again like i think that she played her part I, i'm not like 100 percent sold on her like i was on some of the other characters yeah yeah she did have a, i've never seen this before it was like little star stickers right here on her eyes in the second episode it was like a fashion thing but i've never seen that before do people do that they put like little well here's the thing that used to be a big thing when I was like a preteen was putting like like uh, little jewels on like by your eyes or whatever. Right. And I think that's coming back as with oh, everything boy. that was when I was a teenager. It's all coming back. Yeah. There's some things that should stay dead though, I think. <laughs> oh, I kind of like it. I think it's cute. No, not that. I'm, I'm talking about oh. other, unrelated oh, yeah, yeah, other yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's fine. It's very, yeah. very unique. Um, okay, so yes, um, she's uh, enjoyable. I agree with you, though. I think take it or leave it. I'm glad she was there, but 
I did yeah. not notice her missing in those other yes. episodes. Same. Let's dive into the many men of Kamala. Excellent. Uh, let's start with, uh, actually, let's start with, yeah, we'll just start with Bruno. I was going to say, let's start with uh, um, Kareem, but uh, Bruno, super smart, super genius. I ca caught in the first episode, he has his laptop open and he's looking at that Caltech immersion program and they, they linger on it a little bit. Cause I remember in the second episode, I was like, that came out of nowhere, but it didn't, they had it listed, <laughs> but he's got, he is the classic best friend turned almost too best of a friend in some instances. Yeah. Uh, I, I got to hear from you. What, what do you think about Bruno? Yes. So Bruno uh, is great. Like he's so smart. Uh, you got to feel for him being alone, living alone. You love to see the fact that his, uh, her family has taken him in and they feed him and they treat him like family. And so he's not alone. And I love that piece. I know that, I think you and I disagree a little bit on his relationship with Kamala and whether or not they are uh, going to get together or if they should get together or if they should just remain friends. I, I am of the belief that they're too close as friends, that it's not going to work romantically. And I'll let you speak for your own. But yeah, I... I bless his heart that he loves her so much. I hope that he finds somebody that loves him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to be Kamala. Look, my opinion is she is going to come around. And maybe that's because <laughs> that's how I was. I was the um, the friend zone extraordinaire uh, by choice. Uh, because my whole secret weapon was like, well, if you're friends with them forever, then maybe you'll just get married because then you'll just keep being friends forever. And so maybe that, and that's why I see that, that they make sense is like, they get along so well, they are kind of like a couple in that sense of like, a, you know, with less of the bigger, eh, there's a little bit of bickering, but um, I love that. And I love that her family has accepted him too. And that he's been so willing to take on and learn about their culture. I mean, there's things that it seemed like right. he was more aware of than she was. Like when right. uh, Kamran gets out of the pool and they're talking about, you know, saying, oh, that means damn. And he's like, if God wills it is what it means. And it was like, OK. And then he he mentioned something somewhere else. He, he learned the dances. He's wearing the clothes. He, to me, if I was that parent, I'd be like, I love this kid. Like, you need to be that you need to marry this boy. Like, you but need it's to about that. Like, here, I guess I come from because I have a guy best friend, kind of like Bruno, who is just always there for me. You know, like, we're great friends. We get along. Like, we like our families like each other and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, like, it, it was it's just a different type of friendship. It's just like a little bit too close of a friendship to be like a romantic friendship. Yeah. That's where I see. But, I, you know, if they get together, I wouldn't be mad at it. I just. I enjoy the will they won't they though. And I, I like the aspect of, and it was funny. I, I watched or read some of Amon, excuse me, Amon Vellani's uh, AMA that she did on Reddit. And someone asked that question of like, who would you pick between Bruno or Comron? And she basically just said, well, Bruno does this, but Comron does this, but Bruno does this, but Comron, and she just kept doing it that way. So it's like, she wouldn't that's even awesome. say. And so I feel like that's how it's going to be. If they don't get together, they don't get together. But I have a feeling that they will be close forever just yes. because of how connected they are to each other's families. 
Uh, and that would kind of be cute if, you know, they both had a separate, you know, spouse and their kids were raised together. So right. we're, we're really future planning at this point. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I thought he was awesome. Same thing. I think they took all the best bits from the comics, him being alone, um, kind of working at the Circle K. He's just, I like his character. Like he is a good person who just is super smart and wants to work hard and have a good life. And I loved too that despite him being jealous of Comron, that he helps him out at the end. Yeah, like, I he's love a good that. dude. He's yeah. a really good guy. And I love too. I loved, and we'll, we'll jump right to Comron. I really liked him too after a while. I loved that they pulled a 180 on us. And I'd even said it in the, you know, our episode two talk on Earth's Mightiest Weirdos of like, he's the villain. Like he is the villain in the comics. He does this thing where he's trying, you know, they've just substituted his mom for the bad in humans, but his powers are identical by the end of the show. They look exactly the same as the comics, that cool color and all of that. Um, but he's not a villain. And I love that. I love that he doesn't agree with his mom. I love that he, I was like, oh, look, he's a huge jerk. He keeps calling him Brian. But then he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I legitimately thought your name was Brian. And I love that. It was like the perfect apology. They become very fast friends. And his turn at the end, too, I thought was so strong of like his struggle of almost becoming a villain, but holding back and having Kamala be there to help her. Um, what do you think of Kamran? Yeah, I am not sure yet. I think like I the whole time I wasn't sure because at the beginning I was like, okay, well, this guy's up to no good, clearly. And then you're expecting him to be the villain, like the way that it's being set up, you're expecting him to be the villain. And then at the end, like he kind of gets there, but then he doesn't fully get there. And I like I thought he did a really good job. I guess my hesitancy comes from I don't know what they're going to do with him in the future. Yeah, they left it pretty open. Yeah. So I'd be I'd be interested to see more of him. Like I was really annoyed when they were sitting there and about to kiss when Bruno walked in. I was so annoyed like of all the men, Kamala, of all <laughs> the men. Like my favorite is the red dagger. That's my Wait, did you say you were annoyed? No, I was annoyed that they were about to kiss. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I thought you said you were excited. That's why no. I was okay. Okay, good. Yeah. No, that, I was like the of all same the men, way. like that you know. could be with, like, and everything that you've seen, like, what is it about him other than his looks? That, but it's, again, it's the, teenage it's the girl. moans, Kara. <laughs> They're coursing through her veins. It's an intense action sequence. Uh. Of course, she's gonna feel it. But yes, of the three, if I did have to pick, I also would pick Kareem. I think he and we'll go right into him. So, you yes. know, the, and, and the show ends with uh, Kamran getting to Kareem and you even seeing that look in his eye. He was like, and but then Kareem like stands up. He's like, all right, come on. Like, let's go. Kareem was awesome. I loved him. He has he is the best bits of Bruno and Kamran yes. where he is Agreed. very charismatic. Yeah, he's very strong. He's a great fighter, but he's also a really good person like Bruno is where he does the right thing. He's smart. Uh, he's probably not as smart as Bruno, but he's still super smart. And then he also has his own kind of community. And I think I think that's a unfortunately a detriment for Comron too. And a reason why he's such a uh, a wild card is because he has nobody. He's like the Scarlet Witch. Like he has no support system. Mm -hmm. And Kareem, though, he does. He's got that whole group of friends and they've got names and all the red daggers. Oh, I just his whole bit was awesome and straight from the comics. Like the costume was exactly the same. Uh, just seeing the way he fought, all the daggers that he threw. Oh, yeah. What did you think? I, I really liked him. Like, 
uh, yeah, for all the reasons that you said, also for the chemistry between him and Kamala on the train station was so good. It was so tangible. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, like clearly the two of them like get along in real life because that, oh, yeah. like, read, Instant chemistry. Yeah, right off the screen. And I was really pulling for him. And I loved um, at the, like when, like the veil has just closed and it, and um, Sana and her mom comes back in and then he just is like, oh, auntie, hi, uh, gotta go by. But like still acknowledges them with like the respectful greeting before he bails. Mm -hmm. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it, it was cool because they immediately, it would have been his her mom, I think, that was nervous because he says, he says something like auntie and then he says Nani. <laughs> So it was yes, like, oh, yes. he knows, he knows that that's Sana. And so then she kind of calmed down and then he runs away. It's like, just perfect. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I liked him a lot. Yeah. Is, I, I hope we see him Dagger. again. Yeah. And I also liked the guy that he was with that does not make it out of here. I liked him a oh, lot. Oh, I know. Well. And he was apparently, he was a famous Bollywood actor. He should be. He's very good looking. Yes, very, very yeah. charismatic. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Um, okay, so what what about the clandestines? What did you think about them? I they were they were the point of the show, right? Like you know, you can't have the show without them. So great. I didn't think them to be too compelling, only in that I kept wanting to know more about the Nor dimension and to know more about like what what were they like what got them exiled is what i was so curious about especially uh, aisha because like she seemed like a really good person what was it was it that they got exiled or was it that they maybe got banished by like you know a bad guy who banished them sort of i have no idea but what did you think about them as kind of a character in the show well, I'm kind of hoping that if Kamran sticks around, that because of the like the fact that his yeah. mom kind of came in, like I don't know, I don't know exactly how to insert right. it into him, whatever. That we're gonna get more of that story uh, because Aisha's story was so interesting. I was yeah. so invested in that. First of all she was so beautiful like great casting again and God, i'm so bad with names what's her husband's name oh again? what was it um, oh, dang, sorry oh it was hassan oh yeah hassan uh, like aisha and hassan they were so like both of them so beautiful so charismatic so well spoken they both bring um such different strengths to the table and it's cool to see that kind of relationship where they have you know their own strengths but they like together make each other stronger and you see in different times him being her strength and her being his strength and then just the devastation when they get separated and when he realizes when he sees the stars and he goes Aisha like that broke my heart into a thousand pieces. I only cried talking about it, <clears throat> but like that was so beautiful. Their story was so beautiful. The rest of them, like I thought Najma was a good villain. Like she, I thought she did a good job. She was believable. Like you didn't like her right. as it went on. I just, I thought a lot of it was going over my head because of my 
no comics knowledge, but you're saying it's a little bit different anyways. Yeah, none of that is from the comics. And the apparently, I don't even know, apparently the clandestines are like some weird random 90s group that have like a five issue run and that was it. So this is all like hmm. them just making it up. And so honestly, I like I said, I was in your same shoes. I was just like, I need like a whole episode on, on a, because we, like I said, we need to know why they got exiled when when did that happen like at what point in time how long had they been there we get to see that that instance where they're in the cave that has the other bangle that's on the blue you know the blue yep. arm is that a cree is that going to tie us with all of the, with ten, the rings ten rings <laughs> yep so like and and they just brush over that we don't even see anything about it like there's more to that story, I think. And I, I hope because like you said, I hope maybe if there's a second season that or we do get Shang to see Chi even. Or yeah, exactly. Because yeah, didn't we confirm that there's they're working on a sequel for that too? So yeah, man, that's to me, that's what's so exciting about this show too, and and, and about Miss Marvel in general, is that she is a Peter Parker in a sense that everyone like she likes teaming up with people. Like within yeah, the first uh right. the first arc, she teams up with Wolverine. And so now that she's a mutant, that makes sense that she'd do something with the X-Men. Or you could throw her in with the Avengers. Or you could throw her in with Shang-Chi. Like, you could throw her in with whoever you wanted, and you know that she would just bounce off of them so well, just the mm -hmm. same way Tom Holland does. And it just, that gets me excited. But I need to, I need some sort of Kamran becomes a red dagger sort of story where he's learning a little bit more about his history because yeah, they've cool. still got all the tools in the, in the secret hideout, right? Like he's going to show them, Hey, here's, you know, your mom. Cause you know, that's what he's going to ask. What happened to my mom? And he can explain mm -hmm. it because he was there. Like there's so much to that story that's still left to be told. And I really hope that they dig into it because it's definitely worth telling as, as kind of clunky as the villain was in that sense. If we get more on that, it's going to only enhance this season. And you're going to come back to it and go, oh, yeah, that she did this because of that and this because of that. It does make me mad, though, Kara, that um, Aisha and Hassan would have had the best life ever if she hadn't showed up at all. Like, the only reason that they go to the train is because Najma, you know what I mean? Like, she mm -hmm. shows up and says, you've got a day or whatever. And she's like, I got to get out of here. Had Najma just left them alone, they would have just lived. In, I guarantee you that it left in the village. They would never have left. Yeah, but then we wouldn't have gotten the story, I guess, because then Kamala wouldn't have come in. I'm just, they're, they're one of my like, favorite MCU couples. I know, I know. <laughs> I 100%. Isn't that weird to think, though, that in, in the realm of famous or favorite MCU couples, mine would be Kamala's great-grandparents? Well, they, their story was told so well. And, like, Steve and Peggy, they got such a small amount of screen time. Like, they drew, like, drew it out over, like, freaking 11 years or whatever it was. Yep. But their actual screen time and story that we knew about them may be smaller than the story that we know about Aisha and Hassan. So. Yeah, it just it's a testament to show you how good storytelling can be to where you can tell that much in such a short amount of time versus spreading it out like that. And you still didn't really get anywhere like they could have done all of that in the first Captain America movie. And they sort of did. I mean, that one's got a lot of great stuff with them, but you wanted more. You wanted that dance and then mm -hmm. we don't get it for 11 years. So, yeah, it was uh, a little depressing. On that end. I feel like relationships is not necessarily something that marvel has done very well i think that they do have good relationships but they're 
there isn't like a relationship that I'm like, I would die for them. <laughs> well, but think. you know what? I think, I feel like our favorite relationships are the non-relationships of like, yeah. Like Macari and Drew. I know you didn't really, you didn't really like the Eternals, did you? No. But like Gilgamesh. But I liked their relationship. Athena, oh, Gil Gilgamesh and Athena was my thing. favorite like, part of They weren't really movie. a couple, but they mm -hmm. had an amazing, like they're really good at doing those types of relationships. Shang-Chi and Katie. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Last group is damage control so really in a way the other villain of the show yes. uh, but not technically the villain of the show so we'll point out too just the same way as we've said not all scrolls are bad and we've learned here too that not all cultures are all bad either not all of damage control is bad it is agent deaver that is the villain uh i loved that and i loved that we we kind of got it the way you expected it to where he's like you know you need to come in you need to stop doing this and she's like do it and then it was like, right. oh, man, I, I got to tell you, when he called her and he was like, do you not realize what you just did? Yada, yada, yada. I got emotional in that scene because I was like, you tell him, like, you tell her. I can't believe it. Like, this is justice. And uh, so, yeah, I, I liked them as a villain. It did annoy me, though, because I'm like, with all the stuff that's been going on. I, and they even put it as a warning in front of the show of like this, you know, could I was a little like, oh, yikes, you know, bringing guns into a high school to shoot these kids, even though they are sonic guns, was still strange to me. And it was very cathartic to hear Cleary say, you brought like these soldiers to a high school to attack kids. And I'm like, yeah, thank you, because someone has to be sane in this. And so, yeah, I don't know what the story is going to be for them going forward, but I like that they're establishing damage control as a serious entity in the MCU now. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know where they're going to go with this, right? We saw him a little bit in uh, No Way Home. Uh, and in there, they kind of were. He was a bad guy, but now he seems like he's more of a good guy. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'll be more than happy to see him again, though. I liked him a lot. Yeah, so first of all, I don't think that we got that message because when I was watching the episode oh, no with our friend, um, she said, oh, th there is this message of like, you know, this may be triggering. I didn't see it. So it could be like if it was only flashed on the screen for three seconds, there's a chance that I missed it. Um, I'll have to go back and look to see if we got that here in Canada but that yeah that makes a lot of sense as to why they would be putting that in the states but um he i just feel like he's doing his job and i feel like a lot of the time like especially in government roles or leadership roles or whatever when you're doing your job you're sometimes the can be seen as the bad guy sometimes seen as the good guy so and like spider-man when he was interrogating them like right. to us that seemed like the bad guy but essentially he's just doing his job and now that we see him being like hey there's lines that are drawn yeah. and you have crossed the boundary you have gone too far that's not okay now we realize he's just doing his job not that he sucks um i thought when they broke into the mosque and everybody just immediately held up their id card like that broke my heart like yeah. I, like that made me really sad because i know that that happens or the comments that they made about like do you know where we are this is a mosque they have cameras everywhere they know every move that we make in here yeah. and the fact that that is reality so yes they are the bad guy for a lot of people and to see that villainry 
uh, kind of throughout the series, not just in the last episode, but all of the things that they do. Whereas to one group of people, they may be heroes. To another group of people, they may be villains. But then at the end of the day, to see that some people have like a personal value boundary that they don't cross and some people don't. I thought that was pretty accurate of of where we're at. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great way of looking at it too. And I think it makes you appreciate him more. So right. I, I, I bet we will see more of both of them just because I don't think it's a coincidence that they are following kids, right? You know, Spider-Man plus also now, you know, Kamala, who else are they going to look at next, right? Are they going to be investigating Kate Bishop? Are they going to be investigating all of the young Avengers or, you know, future champions sort of thing. Is that going to be what kind of brings everybody together? Cause I know there's, there's even a, a recent storyline. I didn't read much of it, but there's uh, something happens and Kamala actually gets hurt. And so they enact Kamala's law, which says that no underage superheroing is allowed. And so they basically crack down on all of the young people uh, being superheroes. And so maybe they go in that direction too. I don't know, except that I like that the villain, at least for something like this, I like that the villain is like a faceless organization in a sense, because we've got someone inside of it who we can prove is a good person, but mm-hmm. then the, the organization as a whole maybe is a little dirty. I found that very interesting. Yeah, it's not always so simple of black and white. There's always going to be gray, right? Yep. Like Unlike in WandaVision when there was Hayward and we just all hated him so much. <laughs> like yep, clear yeah, villain. Yeah, clear villain, whatever. In this instance, there was redeeming qualities of not, not, the, not the girl, but the rest of them, I thought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, another piece I wanted to talk about on here is the soundtrack. I This is the first time right. that I have Shazam songs while I'm watching a show. Um, this is also the first time, too, that I created a whole playlist based off of a show. The only other time would have been WandaVision, but that was just because I just had the WandaVision soundtrack. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it had all the different intro musics and whatnot. But this was like, oh, man, you got... Cruella, you got MIA, you got, uh, oh man, there were so many, but I have literally an hour's worth of music plus the score that I have kind of curated and I've been listening to nonstop and it has been my summer playlist. And I love that. I love when a show or anything introduces me to new songs or songs I haven't heard in a while. I, I don't know who decided all that. I imagine it was probably Bisha and probably a bit of Sana because I know she said that. Um, so one of them said that it's kind of like Kamala's playlist. They said some of these songs were like songs that Amon Vellani had been listening to and stuff like that. So just every single piece of this show had a voice and had its own sort of identity to it. And the, the soundtrack was, was no, no different than that. What did you think of it? Yes. I love like East Indian music, like Middle Eastern music. I love it. Like, I think it's so fun. It's so exciting to, so to see that incorporated was a lot of fun. Uh, But then they had like a mix of everything. Like they literally had, like you said, like the 97 X-Men, whatever. Like there was something for literally everyone. Like going back to what we said earlier, like the show, everyone is like, everyone can relate to a piece of this including the soundtrack like i just thought it was so fun even just like the opening like marvel fanfare we got so much good stuff in there too oh, like yeah. yeah it was really well done 
really well done. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, the weekend for the the first. Uh, have you seen that meme of uh, what's his face, Daniel Craig, saying, "Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend." <laughs> uh, that's like my theme song every time Friday rolls around because I'm like, "Yes, we made it." Um, okay, yes. So, last thing before we we wrap up predictions, thoughts on what is coming next. Uh, anything that you can think of, anything you've thought of, of, you know, where we see, obviously we're going to see her next in the Marvels, but any thoughts on maybe if she shows up somewhere else, what's the next storyline going to be anything like that? So I have read zero comics, so I have absolutely nothing to go off of. I am hoping that we get Shang-Chi in on this somehow uh, the Marvels is one of my top anticipated films uh, coming up, so I cannot wait. Clearly, Carol's going to be in it, and right. <laughs> Kamala's going to be in it. That's what we know. Uh, outside of that, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I hope that we see Kamran as a dagger or a red dagger and not turn into a villain again. Like, I hope they just kind of leave that piece of that storyline. But yeah, I hope we see Shang-Chi. Or somebody from Shang-Chi. Yeah, 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 that would be cool. I'm hoping that... I hope when Wu comes back, imagine if we go back in time. Listen. Oh, everyone, yes. Everyone, oh, you I could. love Wen Wu. Let me tell you, I love Wen Wu so much. If we can go back in time, because clearly a long time ago, they were in that cave, right? And yeah. Wen Wu lived for like a billion years or whatever it was. If we can get Wen Wu... Back in. I, Kevin, to me, please I mean, make we, it happen. <laughs> we know Marvel can pull some things off, but if they were able to get Tony Lung to come back for like an episode of TV, holy cow, that would be crazy. Or even I, if it was the Shang, like part of Shang Chi plot was like a flashback, or there was like some mashup between the cons. Well, no, like, could you imagine Wen Wu fighting like a Kree warrior who had those bands on and, you know, not didn't realize what the bands were for and just like killed him in that temple and then left like, oh my gosh, that'd be so great. See, well, now I'm excited for no reason. I know. I Well, hey, that's that's part (laughs) of the reason we do this is so we can get excited for no reason. Main Mudrunner is saying, really looking forward to the Marvels. Would also love to see Wen Wu. Yes, yes, you are not alone. Um, We have also gotten confirmation, I believe, uh, at least that her parents are in the the movie, Miss the Marvels. Oh, sweet. And I think her brother too, which would make sense. And to me- We didn't even talk about him. I loved him too. Oh, yeah, right. One of my favorite lines. I think I remember you when when they're in the in the diner. Oh man, we used to call it Haram.comron. So yes. good. Yeah. Not a lot of salam in here, I see. When Amir, we're so sorry. We will talk about you. <laughs> we will avenge you on another day, yes. I guess. Uh yeah, no, he was great. I, he was I uh, lovely. and and how his beard game was on point. It was amazing. Everybody in the show I thought was like so good looking, which I know means nothing. But, but it's, I mean, it helps, it, right? Yeah, it helps. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think again too, when we're thinking about like WandaVision going straight into Doctor Strange, yeah, we get a little a little tease at the very end that sort of leads into the movie. This I feel like is the first time so far that we'll see where I feel like the Marvels is picking up right when that post credit scene leaves off. Because it's gonna be her going downstairs, like what happened, and then they're gonna be like where's my daughter? Like, Oh, we got to go like, and that's what sets this off of like, we've got to go get Kamala sort of thing. 
if they do that, I will lose my mind. Like if if they if, if that would explain how they got Brie Larson on a TV show because they could have filmed that as part of the movie. I don't know if filming has started. Nia, but... Nia DaCosta, the director of the Marvels, directed that scene. So it's very Wait, possible Mia that DaCosta she did. Nia DaCosta is directing the Marvels? She is, yes. Wow. How crazy is that? Didn't she just do one? She or just... The... No, she did uh, She did some... Hold on, I'll look her up real quick. Because she... Uh, I remember she did some other movie. Nia... There she is. Oh, yeah, she did Candyman. Right. That was good. And she did Little Woods, too. If you That one was with um, Tessa Thompson. That was a great movie as well. Wait, no. And she's she was a production associate on Kesha, My Crazy Beautiful Life? Now that this is heating things up to a level I did not think. That I'm is awesome. I'm also seeing that, and I don't know how to pronounce her name, so I'm sorry if this is wrong, Za Ashton, um, Tom Hiddleston's fiance is in this movie. Really? It was, there's already a, is there like a little cast list already? Yeah, but this hold on, could we're gonna go wrong. in here. Let me see. Uh, yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure either. I think it is Zoe Ashton. I think. Uh, but yeah, Ashton, she's in it. Samuel L. Jackson is in it. That kind of makes sense. Park Sojun is it? Oh man, I gotta stop. I don't want to get spoiled by anything. I know. This, here's here's the thing: is that Alex and I like being spoiled the least out of anybody. So we do not watch trailers. We do not listen to anybody talk about. It. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are, like crazy Literally, but yes so that's super exciting and you're right that may be what it is maybe that was a either either she came in and directed just that scene or they were on because they've been filming that so maybe they filmed that at the same time i know um what were they saying that she filmed it they didn't even know about it until they were editing the movie uh the, Wait, who didn't know about it um uh bedal and alal the uh the two directors uh gotta get their names but they didn't know that brie was in it no they they like were editing and they were like, what is this scene? Like this wasn't Whoa. our scene and because they have to be so secretive about these scenes. Working for Marvel would be wild. It had I mean, you would have to just be so okay with like amb ambiguity and just being like knowing that every day you're gonna do research or different scenes or a scene's gonna be fake that you're not even gonna use and Oh, that, yeah, I that would love have to, to know stress. like the level of like ulcers and like, other like stress related issues that come up from just the sheer panic of spoiling something or saying. But everyone keeps doing it. Everyone like they keep coming back to do things. The actors, the directors, they're like, we love it. So there must be something about it that, and you know what it is. And I think that that was on the Marvel Assembled Doctor Strange episode. I don't. I, I think it was. Elizabeth Olsen or one of them, but they were saying that they were like, you, you can't tell from watching the movie, but they were like, when you come on set, Oh, it was America Chavez. Cause she was like, you know, Oh, I had always wanted to be in a Marvel movie, all this stuff. And she was like, every single person there is dedicated to the craft, every single thing in there. Cause you know, they're going over like, Oh yeah, we carved these bits into the walls and the runes in this corner and all the props are made special, you know, all this. And they were just like, it was amazing how every single person, it, it made me sad. Cause I was like, those sort of things should be recognized in, in the Oscars. And I'm not saying like best picture. I'm saying like, the technical stuff of like best production right. design because 
these when you start seeing these behind the scenes things, and I'm sure we will get the same thing with Miss Marvel of just the level of intricacy and work that went into each scene and each moment, like the amount of extras they had in that train sequence. And just the ugh, it's just crazy to me to think about all the the hours that these these people who all they said they all love Marvel. They all are just obsessed about this and they're just wanting to do their best every day. And to me, that seems like the best work environment ever. Like, I imagine it's super stressful, but right. it's got to be super rewarding, too. Well, having being around people, talking to you, for me, like, we both nerd out about the same things. Like, it's so much fun. Like, yeah. and even when you're tired, like, I can only imagine that would be a lot of fun. So we can tell if anybody who works for Marvel is putting in long hours and you think that we can't tell that you care about your craft, it shows it shows because we're sitting here with goosebumps and, and tears in our eyes on, on an almost weekly basis. So Yes. And let us you. know. We'll gladly uh, take a day off for you and work for you. You can break. We'll do all <laughs> of your work. We'll come on set. For Just free. let us know. Um, the only other thing I would say in terms of what's coming next, which is from the comics, there's a character called the Inventor who is a human hybrid of uh, Thomas Edison and a cockatiel, uh, like a cockatoo. Okay. Very strange, but it basically looks like a robot bird dude. And um, we get multiple teases of uh, that character throughout the show. We get her father. We actually get in the very, and this is in the first episode, what? there is a drawing of a cockatiel uh, during her presentation of all of the, you know, oh, this is what Miss Mar Captain Marvel's been up to at the very beginning. Her father then is talking about cockatiels uh, during the dinner sequence when she's trying to leave to go to AvengerCon. And then in that same episode, her and Bruno, when they're sitting up on the roof, they are the sign behind them says Edison Electric, which is the place that he kind of like mm. operates out of. And then in the second episode, um, Nakia has a sweatshirt or a jacket that she, at, at Eid Mubarak where she's walking away. And on the back of it is a cockatiel. So there's a lot of Easter wow. eggs for this character who's a villain. Uh, and could be, you know, a villain in the second season. We also did not get any answer as to who the sh the shoe thief is at the mosque. Oh yeah. So we got to solve both of those mysteries, which I would be excited to see. And hopefully, Kara, if if uh, this weekend at San Diego Comic Con they announce a second season, it's all I need. We need it. We need it. But wow. Here we are. We made it through. Kara, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you had as much fun as I did. This was an absolute blast. Yes, I had a great time. As you know, we could probably talk about this stuff, and we do talk about this stuff for, <laughs> forever. So thank you as well for listening. Everybody, hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. And uh, tune in next week where, uh, as as far as plans go, well, fingers crossed, our good buddy Kevin and I will be breaking down all of those announcements from San Diego Comic-Con. So keep it in here. Uh, for those of you tuning in, thanks so much for uh, listening. For Comics and Cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein, and we will see you at the movies. Yeah.